I want to share something about your pastor. Uh, matter of fact, this is very unusual. You know that uh, if I've ever preached it on a Sunday morning, pastor's always gone. And uh, I always say something about my pastor uh, at that. And I just want to say something to you now because he is here. I want to say something to you. You know, we have a pastor that travels. We have a pastor that needs a break in the summer. But I will tell you this, church. When we invest in our pastor by allowing and sharing our pastor with other places, it actually blesses us here. We will receive the blessings from the journeys that he has taken these last few weeks. We will receive those for the next months to come. I will tell you, our pastor will preach differently because of what his eye has seen in Asia our lives will be different. So I think one of the greatest things that we can do is invest. And in the summer when he has an opportunity to get away, uh, not only for rest, but really to be renewed of what we need. So I'm really thankful uh, that we share our pastor. I'm thankful for a lot of reasons. One, I get to preach here once in a while then. So amen. I'm thankful for that as well. And if you are a guest today, and uh, let me encourage you, you got to come back and hear our pastor, Pastor Chapel, and we look forward to that as well. Take your Bibles, if you would. And by the way, it was worth waking up an hour early to hear the choir sing, Behold Our God. Amen? Man, that was good. That, that tell you what, that was worth losing an hour's sleep for. On Behold Our God. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter 15. I'd like to, just for a real quick moment, talk to you about the title of the message today. And um, I'm a big person on definitions. You cannot hear me preach or teach that I am not constantly defining words. If you ask me, Jim, what have been the two most difficult words ever to define? I feel the word grace. I have had the hardest time ever putting my arms around the concept and the meaning of what grace really is. I know it's unmerited, but I'm not sure I totally understand it. The second word that is so difficult to define is the word revival. What does revival mean? I'm not sure I have a definition of it today, but I do believe I have a good description of it. Revival. Coming home to the Father. Coming home to the Father. You know, when you go back to the Heavenly Father, my friend, you're going to have revival. And I, I, I look at, uh, if that's true, and if that is a good description of what revival is, coming home to your Father, then Luke 15 is where we got to go. So take your Bibles and turn to Luke 15. By the way, what did I just say? Take your what? Everyone together. Take your... So I want to share something with you. Many of you in this room right now knew when I said Luke 15, you immediately went, oh, lost and found chapter in the Bible. Lost and found. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. And you say, Brother Shelley, you're doing the prodigal son. <laughs> if you want, I could get up there and teach that. I, I know that really well. And I'm sure you do. But I want to talk to you for just a quick moment about the book that you hold in your hand. There has never been a book like the scriptures that you have right now. The author is divine. The author is God. Men were the human instruments that wrote it, but this book that you hold in your hand is God's book. There has never been 
a copy of any written anything that is more relevant than the book you hold. Do you realize, I went ahead and just kind of fiddled with this. Today's March 12, 2023. The scripture will be relevant today in 2023. But do you know this? That the prodigal son story that we're going to look at was relevant on March 12, 614 AD. It was relevant then. Did you live back there, Brother Shetler? No, Dr. R was there, but I was not. <laughs> it was relevant March 12, 1452. It was relevant March 12, 1731. It was relevant March 12, 1888. It was relevant March 12, 1973. And can I tell you the book that you have in your hand right now is relevant March 12, 2023. And I will tell you this right now. The prodigal son is exactly what we need today. That scripture can speak to you. Brother Scheller, I know this story. But you need to hear it today. And today God needs to speak to your heart as well. So let's take a copy of our scriptures and stand for the reading of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15 and we'll begin reading at verse number 11. And he said, that would be Jesus Christ. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after the, uh, after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into the far country. And there wasted his substance. That's where we get the word prodigal. The word prodigal means wasted. Wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, and the world will take everything you got, my friend, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself, I believe he became a slave, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain, you know what that means? Set his heart desire. Ugh, this is what he was desiring. And he would fain have filled his belly with the hus that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. The next statement is the key to the whole story. Would you read it with me out loud? The beginning, the first six words of verse 17. Would you read it all together with me out loud? And when he came to himself. Oh, that wasn't good enough, Lancaster Baptist. Everyone together. First six words of verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have, I have sinned against heaven before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Man, praise the Lord. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck 
and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is, everyone together, next two words, alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Father, I pray today that you would speak to every heart here. And Father, some of us, some of us come to, to Lancaster Baptist every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Some of us are in the ministry here. Father, many of us would say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I read my Bible, I this. And yet, Father, our hearts are in a far country. We are far from you. And I pray today, you know, you look at those pictures, Father, we saw those pictures of Asia. And Lord, the commitment of those believers over there, their lives hungry for you. And we in America, we're living in a far country from you, Father. And I pray this morning, as great as we would say Lancaster Baptist Church is, and the membership of this church, there could be deacons in a far country. There could be Sunday school teachers in a far country. There could be college students that gave their life to come to college, but their soul is in a far country today. I pray, Lord, that today they'll have revival by coming back to the Father. I pray you'll speak to hearts today. And Lord, if there's someone that's never been in the family, may today they find you as their Abba Father, their Savior. So God, speak to hearts today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God's children said, Amen. you may be seated. It is the lost and found chapter. There are three items that are lost in this chapter. There is a sheep. That got lost. Let me tell you how he got lost, that sheep. That sheep got lost naturally. Now this is really interesting about God's creation. You almost take any animal, anything living that God created, he put a GPS system in it. You can take cats and take them 500 miles away, which is a great suggestion. But anyways, take cats... <laughs> And you could take them 500 miles away, and those cats find their way home. I'm telling you, you take almost any animal that God created, and you take them away from their, where they know where they're They find it. They got GPSs. God gave them that, except for one, and that was a sheep. You take a sheep out in the field, and you lead them away, they don't have a clue where to go. They do not have that. Is that not interesting that that's what God called us? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. You leave any one of us to ourselves, we're going away. You leave any one of us to ourselves, we're going to be lost. We got to constantly have a shepherd. And if we don't have a shepherd, we're going to get lost. The sheep got lost naturally. Then the second item is a coin. Now the coin, 
got lost carelessly. I don't know. I'm sure she was a good lady and everything, but somehow she lost one of her silver coins. And we're talking a big deal here. She's counting those coins. Oh, no. Where is the other coin? Where? I don't know where the coin is. She lost it carelessly. And I want to tell you this. We can get away from God carelessly. We're careless. We think we're okay because of where we are, where we go to church. But you know what? We've got to constantly be on guard. We've got to be constantly vigilant in our life. If we're not watchful, we're going to be careless and we're going to get away. And we're going to get lost. And we're going to be found in a place we shouldn't be. Then there's the son. The sheep was lost naturally. The coin carelessly. But the son got lost willfully. The son made choices. And some of you are making choices in your life right now that are not wise. You're listening to people, listening to things, and you are making willful decisions. And I'm going to tell you what, you're going to end up in a pig pen or you're there already. Not naturally, not carelessly, but willfully. You made decisions and now you're in a place that you ought not to be. But I want to tell you about all three. Number one, they were all lost. Yeah. Number two, they all had value. They all had value. That shepherd says, you know what? I'm keeping these guys here in the fold. I keep these. And I'm going out after that sheep. Why? Because that sheep has value to me. That sheep has a value to me. That sheep means something to me. And I want to tell you something. You mean something to God. That woman stopped everything. She flat out cleaned out her house. I got to find it. I got to find it. Why? What is your big deal about it? That coin has value. And I will tell you, every day, that father went out on his porch and he looked. And he waited. Why? Because his son had value. And I want every one of you to understand this. I don't care where you are right now. I don't care what spiritual condition you are in right now. You have value to God. There is a value and a price. And God brought you to church today. And God's trying to reach out to you. Every one of you have value. Now, I want to tell you one other thing. I love this. They were all found. And you know what? You can be found today too. But then there's one other thing I really like. They all had a party when they were found. In every one of the scriptures, when that sheep came back, man, all those shepherds together, they got together and they had a big party. When that woman found that coin, she got all her friends together and they had a big party. And whoa, did dad put it on for the lost son. And I want you to know that there is always, don't believe this lie. Well, you know what? If I really came back and I really got right, boy, how would Lancaster Baptist handle me? With rejoicing. With God's praise. God's blessing upon you. And I'm telling you this, not only at a church, but I'm talking about in heaven. They are rejoicing. You come back to the Father today, there is rejoicing time. And any time we ever hear someone coming back to God and getting right with God and opening up and saying, man, I am ready. I want to get back where I need to be. We need to rejoice with that, not, not go, well, I wonder how long that'll last. Oh, no. 
There is rejoicing when they're found. So let's look very quickly. I think there's two questions that are absolutely key to this story. Number one, why did the son go home? Why did the son go home? And I think the key is, if you look at verse 16, and he would have feigned had filled his belly with his husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Look at verse 17. And when he came to himself, that is one of the greatest statements in dealing with any person. No one will ever experience revival, and nobody will ever get right with God until they learn how to come to themselves. Now, you have to admit, that is a weird statement. I mean, how do you come to yourself? Hey, look, it's Jim. Jim, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing today? Hey, we came to ourselves. Okay, that's like, okay, Billy, so that's stupid. Well, then it is a little weird, isn't it? He came to himself. I think Jacob came to himself one night when he wrestled with the Lord. And I think Nebuchadnezzar came to himself in a cow field when he finally lifted up his voice. And you know when you come to yourself is when you first of all come to God. Because you will never have the right view of you until you get the right view of God. And when Nebuchadnezzar got the right view of God, he came to himself in a cow field after seven years living in a complete mental, uh, terrible state. And Jacob, after years, finally came to himself when he finally wrestled with the angel of the Lord and God. And you will come to yourself when you first of all get your theology over your psychology. When you get the right view of God, you'll understand the right view of yourself. But what in the world, Brother Shetler, what does it mean that he came to himself? I think it means three things. Real quickly, I want you to see these. Number one, you come to yourself when you get hungry for God. You come to yourself when you get hungry for God. Look, look at this. Look at the end of verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants, help me out now here, and of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with everyone together. What's the last word? Hunger. That was terrible. Everyone together, what's the last word? Hunger. Hunger. You know when you come to yourself? When you get hungry. When you get hungry for God, you'll experience coming home to the Father. When you get hungry enough, you know what our problem is in America? I did not go, obviously, to Spiritual Leadership Conference Asia. But I'll tell you right now, you ask this man, they're hungry over for, aren't they? There is just a different level of appetite for God. I've had very few experiences, especially in Asia, but the mission fields that I have gone to, I just want you to know Americans. I just want you to know Californians. I just want you to know Antelope Valleyans. I don't know. I just want you to know Lancaster Baptist members. There's a lot of people in this world that have a much bigger and stronger appetite for the things of God and for God than we do here. We have so much on our table, but think about what we have on our table. We got moldy, murmuring bread. But we just eat that moldy, murmuring bread when we could be eaten at the tables of God. We eat, we eat the rotten riches of this world. And we think, hey, look at this. Look, at, look what I just got. I got a new pickup truck. I got a new fishing rod. I got a new this. I got a new this. And we, we got an appetite for stuff that's never going to last. 
We got an appetite for stuff in the world. Let me tell you something. Nobody's coming back to God until they have a hunger for God. Until there's an appetite for the things of God. I wrote down a few things. Man, we are eating the garbage of this world. Look at the verses there in your notes. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Look at that, Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I love that, Jeremiah 24, 7. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. Brother Schiller, I'm on staff at at Lancaster Baptist. Hey, Brother Schiller, I'm, I'm I'm in the college. And your point? Do you hunger for God? Is there a hunger? I go to Lancaster. I'm a member of Lancaster. Brother Shetler, I'm a deacon at Lancaster Baptist. And your point? And your point? Well, that would probably equate with spirituality. It doesn't. I'll tell you what does. When you hunger for the things of God, when you hunger to be in his presence, and how long has that been since you've actually said, dear God, I need you. I want you. I am desperate. I have got to have you. Boy, I tell you, you know, it's in some ways, I know the angels in heaven got to go like, how can you guys have an appetite for that? I, I, I believe this is a true statement. Nobody, no human being has ever tasted beer for the first time and say, wow, that is really delicious. No, this is really important. Nobody has ever drank an alcohol the very first time and say, wow, I'm hooked, man. This stuff is the best taste. Man, my palate is just unbelievable. Nobody starts drinking beer with a like, wow, that's just naturally good. And I will tell you this, no Christian starts eating at the table of the world naturally. It is not natural for a person that has the Spirit of God in them to eat at the table of this world. You have to develop an appetite, a thirst for beer. you got to be drinking it a lot to go like, i got to have that. i just got to have a beer. And I want to tell you this. you got to be eating at the world's table a lot for you not to want the things of God. you got the wrong appetite, friend. Because you're more hungry for the things of this world than you are for a relationship with God. He came to himself. Hey, Brother John, how did that happen? Number one, he came to himself when he got hungry for God. Number two, you come to yourself when you get honest with yourself. Oh, man. Look look at this. Look at this. Look at verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, here it comes. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Man, I'll tell you what, he got honest. But there's so many illustrations here. I didn't know which one to give. I want to give you a real quick one. Years and years ago, and it really was like, I don't know why this popped in my mind. So I thought, well, Lord, maybe you want me to give this one. I don't know. I was speaking at a junior week at camp, just junior kids. 
And at the last day of the camp, they would bring the parents out to pick up the kids. And they had a big spaghetti dinner, and it was an evangelistic opportunity. And boy, we saw a lot of people get saved. We saw the kids got saved during the week, and then, then we would see the parents get saved on Friday. I'll never forget, I'm playing tetherball with a, you know, a little 10-year-old boy or whatever, and we're, we're playing tetherball, and the whole cabin's around because the speaker of the cabin's playing tetherball, you know. And, and, we're all, and they're all around. They're watching me play tetherball with this, uh, with this kid. And the parents are coming. And they're, you know, they're, as they come, they, they find their child and their child leaves or whatever like that. Well, I'll never forget this, as long as I live. These two parents come, and there's a boy, a little portly kind of kid, and, and, and uh, a kid that I did not, I mean, I, I, I knew who he was, but I, I didn't know what he did all week long. But apparently the kid lied all week long. He told those, those, those campers what he owned, where he's been, and who his parents were. Well, his parents show up at the tetherball court there. And as soon as the boy went to his parents, the rest of the campers in his cabin run over to the mom and dad. I'm playing tetherball, watching this. And they said, is it true? Does he really have a a four-wheeler? Did you guys really go to Hawaii? Is this really true? And you could see the parents. They go like, they look down at their kid like, what in the world did you tell these guys? And you could tell that kid was just dying. Now, let me, let me say this. Some of us wear masks. And we got our little church costume. And we got our little college, Bible college costume. And, and we're real, you know, we, we, we got the showdown. We just got it. We got the lingo. We got it all. But you know what? You'll never go back to the Father until you start getting honest about who you are. Now, I think this. I think there's two reasons why people lie. Number one, to get out of trouble. And number two, to get acceptance. So why have you been lying? Man, if I find out, if, if my spouse finds out what I've been doing, our marriage is done. Why don't you trust God for that? Maybe your marriage will be what it's never been when you get honest. Man, if, if, if I got honest, I'm, I'm getting shipped out of this college. If I got real honest. Why, why don't you trust God for that? Why don't you trust the Lord? You know what? We're afraid we're going to be in trouble or we're trying to be something we're not, folks. It's time. He got honest. He said, what am I doing in this pig pen? Why am I eating this stuff? This is ridiculous. I'll tell you when you, get, you go to the Father, when you get hungry, when you get honest. And folks, number three, you come to yourself when you get humble, when you get humble. Nobody will ever go back to the Father until they get hungry, until they get honest, until they get humble. Look at verse 19. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. I, I, I don't deserve to be called his son. You will never come back to the Father until then. I want to tell you a very transparent story. And I say this to help you folks. First year of my marriage with Mary Lee, we're traveling as college reps. I'm preaching every day, okay? But I'm pulling an Airstream travel trailer that Mary Lee and I live in. And I'll just be honest with you. We had some really good moments we did. But I'm telling you, I'm getting upset with stuff. I'm getting upset with setting up the Airstream. I'm getting upset with traffic. I'm getting upset with the schools that forgot that we were even coming and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm showing a lot of anger. And now it's starting to go out on Mary Lee. We are parked at a church in a Christian school in Pennsylvania. We have been married for about 10 months. 
And that night, Marilee and I have a big argument. And Marilee says this to me. She says, you know, Jim, you told me all about your dad who's lost at this point. He gets saved later on. I get to lead him to the Lord. But right then he was lost. He said, you know, Jim, you, even when we dated, you talked to me about your dad and how bad he was and his terrible temper. Can I just tell you this? I'm seeing your dad in you. And Jim, and as long as I live, I will never forget this. In that Airstream travel trailer that night, she looked at me and said, you know, I'll just be honest with you, Jim. If I knew that you were going to live out your dad's temper, I would have never married you. I would have never married you. I'll tell you, with those words, I went out of that Airstream, I slammed that door, and I walked around that church for over an hour. And I just said, God, you know what? This is not my dad's temper. You hear this? This is my temper. I need to stop blaming my dad and my generational sin and whatever. I need to take responsibility for my sin. And I'm telling you, in Pennsylvania, walking around that church that night, I said, dear God, the temper and the anger stops tonight. God, now I'm going to need your help. I can't do this on my own, but I am totally responsible this isn't Mary Lee's fault, and this isn't Raymond Shetler's fault. This is Jim Shetler's fault. And I took responsibility for my anger that night. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to say at all that I've never been angry since then, but I do believe my wife would stand and testify he has never been the same. And I'll tell you this, you will never see victory in your life until you humble yourself. And humility comes with total responsibility of what you've done. Quit blaming other people. Take total responsibility for what you've done. And then total reliance on God. God, I do take responsibility, but I can't do anything. That's why he went back to the dad. He humbled himself and said, you know what? I have sinned against my father in heaven. And I'm going back because there's food back there. And I'm going back to dad. If he wants to take me on as a servant, I don't care. I'm going back humbling. Now you hear this. When does a person come to themselves? When they get hungry, when they get honest, and when they get humble. You come to yourself. Now, because of time, I just want to just share this because we could not leave without this though. Look at this, number two. How did the father receive him? I think these are the two biggest questions of this parable. Why did the son go home? Because he came to himself and how did the father receive him? And I, I, if we just get this one point down, this is so good. Look at this. Bam, this is good. Folks, the father received him as a son, not a servant. When the father looked up and he saw his boy coming down. Now, by the way, his boy is not wearing the same clothes. And when he came, rose up, and he said, that's my boy. I'm sure there were other servants around the house that go like, sir, I, I don't think that's your, your son. I, I think you're seeing things because look, look at his clothes. I, can I know the way he walks. I know who that is. I don't care what he's got on. I know who that is. And as soon as he saw him, he ran to his son. 
He ran to his son and as soon as he got to his son, he said, listen, buddy, I gave you everything. You coming back here? Well, then you're going to slop with the hogs. You're coming back as a servant. I'm putting you on probation. Listen, listen, you're not, who do you think you are? I gave you everything. Is that the way the father did? When he saw him, he said, that's my boy. My boy's come back. And he received him, not as a servant. He didn't receive him and put him on probation. He received him as a son. He said, well, brother, there. that makes a great story. How do you know that? Because he said, first of all, hey, hey, go get the robe. Go get the robe. The robe of authority. The robe of position. Go get that robe. Hurry, hurry, go get that robe. Hey, hey, get the ring, get the ring, get the ring. The ring of affection. The ring of affection. Oh, I wish I had. Oh, this is good. Man, you look through the, the, the Bible from Mordecai getting the ring from, from Ahasuerus to, to uh, it, you look, every time they put a ring on, it has to do with affection. Get the ring and get shoes. Now, this is really interesting. Slaves back then didn't have shoes because they wouldn't run away. But he comes back and the first thing he does is put shoes on him. Well, then he might run. Your, your son may run away again. Now he ain't going away anymore. Just like when Jesus said to that woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Here's your shoes. You're not going to go anywhere. You're, you got total freedom now and your total freedom. I know you're going to stay at home now. You're my son and you come back. Now, there is one major doctrinal point in this message and you guys got to hear this. You have to hear this. He was the father's son when he was in the pig pen. Because once you are in the family... You are always his child. No matter where you end up, you are still his child. But this is the doctrinal point that this would be a shame if we left here and didn't get this point. You have to get this. Bible says, John 1, 12, but as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now hear this. This is the one time to wake up the person next to you and say, hey, you got to listen to this, okay? This is it. Once you are in the family, you can never lose that position no matter where you go. However, God is the creator of mankind, but he is not the father of mankind. He is not everybody's father, okay? He's only the father to those that receive the son. You get into the family by receiving the son. You get Jesus, you're in the family, and friend, you are always in the family then. But not, you are not born a child of God. You are born a creation of God, and you are born with the image of God, but do not, if you have never received Christ, God is not your father. He is your creator. And if you're here today, and you're away from God, but you've never received the Son. You need to get into the family. You need to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. And when you receive Him, then you get in the family, and He's your Father. Now, there's some of you in here. I'm in the family, Brother Shetler, but I'm in a pig pen. Well, let me tell you, you're still His Son. And the, your position, your affection, your authority, your affection, and your affirmation is still there. Receive Him. I just want to encourage you. 
It's time to come home to the Father. Some of you today need to say, dear God, I have not been hungry. You need to come down to an altar and say, dear God, I got to get another appetite. I am so satisfied with eating the trash and garbage of this world. God, I need a hunger for you. And then come on, let's go. Let's get honest. Let's start getting honest. Let's take off the mask. And and I don't care who you are, what you are, whatever you are. Get honest with God today. And why don't you humbly say, dear Lord, I'm coming back to the Father.